The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning. Hello. It's lovely to practice together. So nice to sit in community, even if it's right this kind of modern version of community or in chat boxes on YouTube and these kinds of things. So thank you for our sitting together. And I'd like to continue on this theme that I've been doing this week about letters from Mara to leaders of his armies. So he has 10 armies. I'm not going to go through all 10. And he sends letters to each of them, encouraging them to continue in their efforts in obstructing or getting in the way of or preventing people from finding freedom. So I'm not also going to worry myself about what exactly is Mara. I'm I'm holding it right now as a rhetorical device, a literary device that's getting used to uh, convey something. And what's getting conveyed is we might consider these, I, I don't know, maybe these experiences, things that prevent us from finding freedom and this way of uh, including this character, Mara, is a way in that can um, depersonalize it, make it feel less like, oh, this is a problem that we have or some failing that we have or something along those lines. And so Ajahn Punadamo in the Ajahn Chah uh, lineage up in Arrow River Hermitage Monastery in northern Ontario and, of course, in Canada, Um, wrote these letters, kind of written more in um, modern times, where Mara is sending letters to the leaders of his armies, trying to um, encourage these armies to continue preventing people from finding freedom. And maybe I'll just say this a small little aside, is that I heard, I don't know if it's true, but I heard that there's an effective way to stop smoking in teenagers was to, uh, rather than show them the causes of smoking, show them their lungs or something like that, that they portrayed these, uh, an image of these middle-aged white men sitting around a table, cackling with how much money they were making, how they were getting filthy rich off of getting other people addicted to tobacco products. And somehow it was that that uh, activated this inner rebel in people and said, I don't want to be part of that. Here, I'm going to show them I'm not going to get addicted or I'm going to kick my addiction. And I admit uh, something a little bit like that for me too in these letters to Mara or letters from Mara that makes me like it's such a different way. Like it's such a shift in this orientation away from, oh, there's something wrong with me. I don't have it quite right to this, oh, no, wait, I don't want to be part of this. I don't have to be part of this. So without taking things too literally, what I'm pointing to right here is this completely shift in orientation away from I'm doing something wrong to this depersonalized idea of like, oh, no, I can do things different. Okay, so um Today, I'd like to talk about this letter from Mara to the leaders of the army of malice and obstinacy. 
there's maybe different ways we could translate that, but I'm going to go with what Ajahn Purnadamo has done. From uh, Mara to the leaders of malice and obstinacy, and I'm excerpting this letter, and it goes like this. It's your duty to see to it that beings fall into the habits of aversion, ill will, anger, hatred, and spite. It's your job to develop mental proliferation around any unhappy feeling tones. If the being in question is not mindfully aware of their own mental processes, and few of them are even marginally aware, then we can turn this simple, unpleasant feeling tone into a whole complex of aversion and resentment. The raw, unpleasant feeling tone is a momentary thing of little significance in and of itself, but what fun we can have with it. Because being engrossed in unhappiness or anger, beings are unable to see things clearly. They cannot see their true situation and they cannot work out an escape. So we have a whole wide spectrum of emotions to work with. There's the very mild and temporary flicker of aversion towards the driver ahead of you on the freeway. There's that smoldering resentment towards that inconsiderate boss at work. And there's that bitter lifelong ethnic hatred that can inflame entire nations, all of these are grist for our mill. And all of these are manifestations of the same thing. But we must be vigilant against that one credible antidote. That is universal loving kindness. This is the one force which we cannot stand. So stop it before it is cultivated. Discredit it as a weakness, but little do they know that it requires real courage to practice universal goodwill. So this whole idea of loving kindness, sometimes we might think like, oh, loving kindness, that's, a, that's what you do when you can't do the real practice. Like somehow it's this lesser practice or a booby prize or something like this. Or maybe sometimes we talk about metta, loving kindness, we get the sense of, oh, we're just pretending to be really nice and like everyone. Or let's just paint the whole world pink, or we'll act like Pollyanna, or something like that. These are some of the ideas that people might have when they hear this word of loving kindness or metta. But loving kindness, metta, is not that. It has a real strength to it. It's not a false and flimsy thing. It does have the strength. But this strength has a softness to it. So in some ways, metta, loving kindness, has this infinite strength and this infinite softness, which is such a beautiful combination. So metta, loving kindness, is different than what we might think of as love. Love is this beautiful thing, and we need it in our lives, and it's part of the human experience. But metta is this well-wishing, it's this deep friendliness, but it has this quality of boundlessness. 
and unconditionality. And it's these two qualities, boundlessness and unconditionality, that distinguish it from what we usually think of when we say the word love. So boundlessness, when we look at our life and we look at our relationships and we look at the movement of care in our life, we will see that our care, our well-wishing is actually bounded. That we tend to care for those that are immediately around us, our partners, our family, our friends, hopefully ourselves too. And that's perfectly natural. This is what humans do. So boundlessness, not having any limitations, is a really lofty ideal. But that's the direction that it moves, that metta moves, is this direction to no limits, to boundlessness. And in the same way, unconditionality is a quality of loving kindness because if we're honest, sometimes we might say to a partner or whomever, I love you, but sometimes there's this quiet little I love you when dot, 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 you know, like fill in the blank or I'll love you if you change a little bit. I love you except when you do that thing that drives me crazy or, or even I can't love me the way that I am. I love me myself as soon as, you know, something else happens. This is a normal part of the human experience as well. We don't have to beat ourselves up about it. But metta, loving kindness, has this quality of unconditionality. No exceptions, like no conditions whatsoever. And again, this is a movement of metta. And we're going to this direction that there's this question of deserving or not deserving just stops making sense. It's just well-wishing, goodwill. So this direction that we're going with metta is one of boundlessness and unconditionality. And that distinguishes it from this, maybe this different uh, way we might experience love. And it's also these qualities that help provide the antidote to ill will, this antidote to malice and also kind of put in these from Mara, this obstinacy, this um, getting stuck in one way and like, nope, things are this way and they're not that way. Because if we think about it, both ill will and obstinacy and all these different flavors of it, they are very tight and contracted. And they have a story often associated with them. I can't believe they did this or they don't deserve goodwill because of that. So this movement towards boundlessness and unconditionality is the opposite movement of this contraction and separation and this dug in the heels kind of a feeling. So loving kindness is in some ways, it's this um, non-abandonment or non-rejection. This means not abandoning or rejecting ourselves. But sometimes it's not so easy. And there's a way that when we're lost in ill will or obstinacy that we're like cutting ourselves off, cutting ourselves off from our hearts. 
and rejecting others or building a wall around our hearts. And so there's a way in which when we're practicing loving kindness, we are reclaiming. Reclaiming maybe that of which we have cast aside or which we have cut ourselves off from. Maybe all, all those unexpectable aspects of ourselves, which of course show up as unexpected, unacceptable aspects of others too. So maybe I'll end with this idea that the practice of loving kindness is not an effort to convince ourselves of anything. It's not an effort to pretend or demand or plead or about some, you know, that loving kindness show up. Instead, it's this practice of tapping into something that's already inside of us that already knows about warmth and care and respect. It's not a form of positive thinking. It's it's a way of focusing on goodwill instead of ill will. It's a way of inclining the mind and heart towards something inside of us that already cares, that already has warmth. And this is where the strength and the softness of ill will, I'm sorry, of goodwill shows up, of loving kindness, of metta. I'm not going to talk about loving kindness practice per se. There's a number of different ways we can practice it. And maybe you already have your own favorite way of practicing. But I just want to emphasize the strength and the softness and this movement towards boundlessness and unconditionality that loving kindness and metta practice have. And in this way, it's a real antidote to any of this ill will or aversion that always comes along with these stories. And I don't want to say that, you know, there isn't uh, injustice and there isn't oppression and there isn't lots of terrible things happening in the world. I am not saying that. I am saying as a practice, can we tune into this, that inside of us that already knows this beautiful quality? of warmth and care, respect. So with that, I wish you all a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you.